traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. America. America. America has become a third-rate power. We are dying. We are on the way out. This is undeniable. I love America. I love our people. I love our Constitution. I love the ideals. I love our history. But this moment, I do not like, and neither do you. Oh, boy, we are dying. Our death rate is up. Our birth rate is down. We have no border. We have out-of-control inflation. We have... Uh, a person who is cognitively impaired in the White House. We are losing overseas. We are in big trouble. Making America great again. I just want to survive, baby. And I think we're going to make it. It's going to be tough. And I do think Donald Trump is the guy who can do it. Uh, never before. I do believe he's anointed. He is anointed. Very, very, very special. Very special. Ron DeSantis needs some time. Not going to be ready in 2024. Uh, we need Trump. We need him back. And in the meantime, we need to recognize what made this country great, what really makes this country great. And you know what that actually is that people forget? Nobody even ever talks about it anymore. Hard work. Hard work. Yes, working hard, sweating it, being anxious, hurrying, rushing about. This is New York City. This is New York City. The hustle and bustle, right, is gone. I actually ventured down into the subway. Big mistake. I won't be doing that again. Oh, boy. No. I urge you to stay the hell off of it. Uh, one thing, though, you'll always get a seat. There ain't no hustle and bustle anymore. People are checked out. They're stoned. And they're sucking the thumb of Netflix. Yeah. And why not, huh? It's comfortable. Get to watch any movie, TV show ever made. Get stoned. Why not? It's legal. Wear pajamas? Why not? Nobody gets dressed up anymore. Run for the United States Senate? Why not? Obama did it. Look at him. He's a billionaire now. Why not? Why work? Why build? America, what do we do? We flew the freaking airplane before anybody else. December 17th, 1903. We've done a lot. Here are my personal highlights. Yes, we invented the airplane. Yes, we won World War II. Yes, we went to the moon. Uh, yes, we beat communism and that Berlin Wall came tumbling down. Heck, I'm even pl- proud of America's role in inventing the Internet, which actually, believe it or not, we invented it all the way back in 1968. But we haven't done a much, uh, we haven't done that much lately. We really haven't. We don't value hard work. We got everything we need. We got everything we need in this little phone, all these little amusements. And I can sit there like anybody. I looked at how many hours I was on that dumb phone yesterday. I was, I, uh, Instagram. Ooh. 
Oh my God, this person's so pretty. Oh my God, that, that dress is so beautiful. Oh my God, I want that watch. Oh my God, look at that vacation. Oh my God, look at that hotel. Oh my God, look at that private jet. Oh my God, look at that dog. Oh my God, look at that house. Oh my God, look at... You can spend your life like that looking at other things, the accomplishments of other people. There's a, there's one called the trillionaire life. Just walk, watch a lot of people walk around with beautiful bodies and mansions. That's it. We're sucking on a digital thumb. So that brings me to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Great state, right? Honestly, I don't know that much about Pennsylvania. I spent some time in uh, Philadelphia, like we all have, you know, Ben Franklin, uh, the Liberty Bell. I've been through Harrisburg a number of times. I actually spent a fair amount of time in Scranton over the years. But beyond that, no, not too much. Um, But this is more important than just Pennsylvania. This is our country, baby. This is our country that's at stake right now. And I can't believe it, but it looks like Pennsylvania is coming dangerously close to electing somebody, nominating somebody right out of the Barack Obama mystery playbook. I'm talking about Kathy Barnett, and she is following the Barack Obama playbook. Uh, What's that? Well, a big chunk of it is make white people feel good about supporting a black candidate they agree with. Somewhat. You know, there's a lot of criticism out there about whites in general. Oh, about white women. Karens. Nobody wants to be insulted. Nobody wants to be called racist. Understandably, we people want to do anything they can to counteract that horrible criticism. And if you find a candidate that you remotely agree with and that's somewhat pleasant, wow, here's an opportunity to look look at this. I'm I'm supporting I'm supporting this woman of color who's and I'm not racist. Obviously, obviously, that's it. Is that as deep as you're going to go? Is this about making you feel good? How about doing your homework? How about looking at this person? Like we should have looked at Barack Obama. Where the hell did that guy come from? 2004, he's a state senator. And for some who the hell knows what reason, he's given the opportunity to make the keynote speech at the Democrat National Convention. You know, you used to have to be somebody to make those speeches. No, we took a no-name senator from a nowhere state. That Illinois is not exactly nowhere. But you know what I mean. He was just a state senator. You know who uh, gives convention speeches? Four-star generals. Three-term governors. No, we made room for Barack Obama. Why? Oh, well, he went to Harvard, you know. Okay. So did 400 other lawyers on 3rd Avenue. Another 200 on 6th Avenue. Who cares? Look at any law firm in this city. And you will find dozens of Harvard Law graduates. Why was it such a big deal that he went to Harvard Law, huh? Was it the smile you fell in love with? What? What did he have to offer? Nothing. He took, he took, he took. And he inspired an entire country to not achieve great things, but to take shortcuts. He gets to the United States Senate in uh, 2005. 2005. January of 2005. When does he decide to run for president? Two years later, February of 2007, this guy's running for president. (laughs) Why not? As Bill Clinton said, you know, if a Rolls Royce pulled up to me and the door opened up and the driver says, get in, I'm probably going to get in and go for a ride. 
And that's what Obama did. In some ways, I don't necessarily blame him. The whole country was swooning about him. Why? Why? It wasn't because he was a great legislator. It wasn't because he was a great executive. Was it because of his eloquence? Have you ever really listened to him talk when he's not reading from a teleprompter? He's not that eloquent. He's not, there's nothing really special about him. Except when you factor in identity politics, okay? And yeah, a lot of folks felt very virtuous supporting him. And I see the same thing happening with Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett has not lived a life of excellence. She has not lived a life of accomplishment. She is a mediocre mystery of a person, totally unvetted. Go to her resume. What's there? A mother. Uh, a veteran. Oh, you want to hear her summarize her military service? This is something else. Where are we? Uh, do we, do we, and that's that, right? Did I, do we play this yesterday? Let me just go through. Uh, here she is on the Rich Zioli show. They ask her about her military record. And here's her answer. Cut 41. So my military record. I went in in 1990. I came out in 2000. I have honorable discharges. I spent 10 years in, I usually say the military, but under that umbrella would be between the Army Reserve and the National Guard. Um, that's that. That's that. Went in in 1990, came out in 2000. That's that. Okay. <laughs> Those are the bookends. Now, what about the books? What happened in between there? Nobody knows, and she's not going to tell us. And the paperwork she has provided is incomplete and weird. And this is her claim to fame, that she was in the the the, uh, the reserves, the Armed Forces Reserve. She describes it six different ways. Let's see. What else about her? Um, I'm kind of curious. Oh, she says she's an adjunct professor. You ready for this one? Adjunct professor. It says all over. She's an adjunct professor, and she instructs. She instructs people. Students. Okay. Where? Where, Kathy Barnett? Cut 44. Where were you an adjunct professor and when? Uh, in, um, Justin University. And where's that, Kathy? That is in, uh, Illinois. Okay. And, and when, when were you there? I don't remember the time. Okay. Here's what happened. She attended a meeting at Jughead University or whatever the hell the name of that university is. I listened to it six times. I can't tell. Is it Destin University? Is it Jughead University? I don't know what she's talking about. How many professors, uh, how many professorships have you had? Would you remember within 20 years, 10 years? Boy, she really knew when she went into the Army and when she left the Army. When were you a professor at a university? I don't remember that. I don't have to just, it's a, she's a grifter. And she's conned a lot of people in Pennsylvania. And you guys better get it together there. You have an opportunity to send a world-class talent to the United States Senate in Mehmet Oz, endorsed by Trump. This guy, Donald Trump, is breaking his back for this country before, during, and after his presidency. He goes up to Pennsylvania after interviewing all the candidates, by the way, on a rainy Friday night to stump hard for Dr. Oz. And I got all these people saying, we're inspired by Kathy Barnett's story. You know what? Anybody can make up a story. Anybody can sit there and craft a story. And that's what it looks like she did. Crafted something. Invented something. A story. When do we fall in love with stories in this country? How about falling in love with accomplishment, with people who get things done? You know, we were on our way in that direction with Trump 
Look it up. I'll take a guy who can build a building over somebody who can talk, or not even talk. Joe Biden can't talk. Ooh, he's got problems. Uh, can't remember this, can't remember that. Oh, so she writes this book, which I downloaded, and I cannot believe it was published. It's like she took notes from uh, the back of cereal boxes and put it in a book and calls it a book. There's not one word. It's her, it's her autobiography. Uh, what's it called again? Uh, no, no opportunity for me, but I'm making uh, uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain by Kathy Barnett. Hey, Kathy, you say in the book you live in Virginia. What's up with that? Cut 45, please. And when did you move from Virginia to Pennsylvania? You you say in your book, bio and back. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I never lived in Virginia. That was a typo. But by the time it was discovered, the book had already been printed. Um, so we've never lived in Virginia. Uh, we lived here in Pennsylvania for this is our ninth year. It was a typo? A typo would be uh, Virginia misspelled. <laughs> You don't get it's not a typo when they when they write Virginia and they really mean Pennsylvania. That's not a typo. That's either a huge factual error or as I believe a lie, a big fat lie. All right? We're on to you. And if you pull this off, if you actually pull this off, you're going to lose. It's going to be bad. We got to get serious. And quite frankly, Pennsylvania, again, you owe it to Trump. The fake news wants this to blow up in his face. Don't let that happen. Don't make the fake news happy. Don't give Democrats their dream candidate for a Republican to run against Fetterman, who's no joke. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are back. We are back. Call me, uh, hey, call Trump the MAGA king, the MAGA king. That's awesome. Joe Biden doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> thinks he's putting him down. The MAGA king. Why not? Cut 49, if you don't mind. Cut 49. Under my predecessor, the great MAGA king. The great MAGA king. Well, Trump put out a, a truth on Truth Social. Have you heard about Truth Social? It's like the new Twitter. I'm getting into it. Um, he said, Joe Biden calls me the MAGA king. Thank you, Joe. I love it. Make America great again. It is wild just how how he has not lived up to his solemn promise. Remember his solemn promise? Joe Biden, what was your whole soul going to do for this country? Cut 50. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. Bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. Yeah, right. That did not last, did it? Oh, boy. How can he... How can he live with himself? His whole soul is in this, and now he's ragging on MAGA people all the time. MAGA's me, MAGA's you, MAGA's half the country. Just call us deplorables. Oh, speaking of deplorables, speaking of, uh, they think we're worse than deplorables. Listen to what the fake news talks about uh, when they when we come up. Ready for this? Cut 51. And Democrats are starting to get that. We're hearing the word MAGA come out of the president's mouth a lot. We're hearing out of Chuck Schumer's mouth, these MAGA Republicans, these MAGA Republicans. And then going on something you've been saying Willie for a couple Geist. months, just call them crazy. They're freaks. Because a lot of these candidates are flat out crazy. They are freaks. You look at what they're saying. They're freaks and liars. 
I don't know if ultra MAGA is going to work, though, because Republicans are now saying I'm proud to be ultra MAGA. Yep. It's giving them. Well, that'll give that'll give them 33 percent. Take your 33 percent. Ah, look at the side us. They think we're uh, they think we're scum. They really do. Just like Hillary did, by the way. Cut 52. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. How dare you, Hillary? How dare you? Again, what was so offensive about that to me is that the idea that Trump supporters are Trump supporters. We care about the country. We care about the border. We care about making America great again. We care about doing big things. We care about winning foreign wars, not losing and retreating. We care about made in America big things. We're not racist or xenophobics. And for her to say half, half of MAGA is, are those horrible things? What a horrible thing to say. And they haven't learned their lesson because they've gone on from uh, deplorables to just, we're all flat out crazy. Hey, Lou is on the phone in Westchester. Looks like he uh, likes Dr. Oz. I sure hope you do, Lou. Well, hello. How are you? I'm great, Greg. How are you? Good. Uh, I want to pass on a personal story. Uh, putting aside Dr. Oz's political views, which I'm fully with. He's, Donald Trump supports him. That's enough for me. But I have a personal experience I think the voters should know about. What happened? That character. In 1996, in December, I got diagnosed with bad arterial sclerosis. I went to a hospital in Westchester. They gave me a diagnosis, so forth and so on, that I had to do this and that. We had a copy of Time or Newsweek magazine where Dr. Oz was on the cover. Columbia Presbyterian, which we all know is the preeminent place to get heart surgery. Uh I called, hid the number, Dr. Oz answered the phone. How can I help you? Very polite and courteous. I told him what happened. He said, bring your films down to me. Two days later, I brought my films down to Columbia Presbyterian, sat with Dr. Oz. He put his my films up on the screen and told me I had very bad the, – the Widowmaker artery was 95% clogged. Mm. He said, you need bypass surgery. A week later, on Christmas Eve, he operated on me me a quadruple bypass surgery stayed in the hospital while i was in the hospital recovering he rode his bike he lived in new jersey he rode his bike across the george washington bridge every day to talk to me and visit me told me about other things about healing and diet things that would seem to be you know quackery back in 1996 but if you meet the man and you saw how dedicated he was to his profession and how successful he was, you want this man standing for you. And four years later, my mother, God rest her soul, was 80. Nobody, she needed bypass surgery. You know, I have a bad family history, obviously. No one wanted to do it because of her age. She had some other clinical problems. Hey, let me ask you something. Look, we all, that's a beautiful story. That's amazing. And I, I know he's got that bedside manner and this remarkable technical skill. You just called the hospital out of the blue and you got Dr. Oz on the phone? I saw me. We called the numbers 1996 now. He wasn't the famous Dr. Oz. Yeah, but still. He answered the phone. That's so great. I, I couldn't even believe he answered the phone. But he had already been on a cover of a magazine at that point. 
He was on Time and Newsweek magazine about this rising star. He answered the phone. The rest I told you, he operated on my mother in the year 2000 for triple bypass at age 80. Oh. And he gave her the same care. Basically, my mother lived till 95. And you're still alive. You're 26 years later. How old are you? I'm 75 now. And, and how's it looking? Yeah, it's, you know, I have my issues, but I thank Dr. Oz, and I used to see him from time to time after my surgery, you know, 10 years later at a ball game or something. He remembered me, how you're doing. Oh. I mean, the man doesn't need to do what he's doing to run for Senate. Exactly. He's Ex famous and wealthy. His motives are pure. And he'll do great for us. And I just want, you know, character matters. They use it to try to knock Donald Trump yeah. about character, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this, this is the real, this is, guys, the real deal. Lou, he'll, he'll it's a, do us great. I agree. It's a beautiful story. So many people go into politics to achieve fame and money. He's already got all that stuff. Like, just like Donald Trump, he has this enormous expertise and talent and altruism that he wants to deliver and that he delivered to you with no fanfare back in 96. I love it. I love it. Finally, Lou, uh, you're 75 and what? Are you retired? How do you spend your time these days? I'm an automobile dealer, actually, by trade. I'm still working. I'll never retire. Can you tell me what kind of car? Jeeps and Chryslers. I love it. I love it. I'm going to look you up, Lou. Uh, thank you very much indeed. And Dr. Roz, hey, we're uh, we're very proud of you. And what a story. Thank you, Lou. And we'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Did you know New Jersey is about as woke as they come when it comes to public school and this gender stuff? Uh, government put out a pretty lengthy uh, guidebook to public schools and says the moment a student says they identify as something other than their birth gender, um, they have to accommodate that child in any way, shape, or form, including if the boy suddenly decides they're a girl. Well, guess what? The boy who thinks that they're a girl can use the girl's room. And same goes for the other. Girl suddenly thinks she's a boy. Uh, she can go to the boy's room. Oh, and don't tell the parents anything. Do not tell the parents. Let's see. Also, if a boy think she's a girl she can go join the girls uh swim team or basketball team or whatever and vice versa and we're not going to tell the parents i guess they'll get a little bit of a shock on game day right parents like to come out to that how can we not allow the parents this is why ron DeSantis is now considered by many like just wow the guy What's that law again? It's not don't say gay. It's let's please include the parents in the raising of children law. And I think that's totally, totally acceptable. That's the way it should be. But this is policy. You know, for a long time, I thought it was just like these radical teachers out on their own. No, they're, the, some of these crazy teachers are just enforcing the crazy policies. They happen to like them. You, you've seen libs of TikTok. You're going to hear them talk about this situation. There are a bunch of... Uh, well, they look a little bit eccentric. I'll put it to you that way. I can't tell who's a man, who's a woman, but uh, they really like this new phase we're in where it's all up to the uh, ch children and the parents get to say nothing and get to know nothing. Cut 56, please. It's a Zoom call between teachers, a bunch of woke teachers. Cut 56. 
What should we do if a parent requests that we refer to their child by the pronouns associated with their sex assigned at birth instead of their preferred pronouns? I just told them that maybe that's not helpful, but I just told them no, um, like respectfully no, there wasn't much they could do. And they eventually, they eventually kind of found another, um, you know, another like topic to, to like squawk about it. We, I don't know if we were even respectful about it. We were just like, no, that's sorry. Like the, our district wide rule is that the student determines that, not you. Who the hell's making this happen? Is it George Soros? Is it somebody like that? This is obviously a strategy. This is a plot to destroy us. Who's pushing it? Academia, the media. Who are they taking their cues from? I don't know. And I really want to find out. Juan is on the phone in Staten Island. Yes, Juan. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Fine. Uh, I wanted to, you know, tell you I don't think that we should be attacking Kathy Barnett. No, sorry, I'm going to continue attacking Kathy Barnett because she absolutely is unqualified to be a United States senator. And if she should get the nomination, pal, um, that seat's going to go Democrat. She is. Do me me a favor. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me why the folks should vote for Kathy Barnett. Nobody should really vote for her. But if we attack her, the people that are going that would have voted for her are going to vote for Dave McCormick because they're people that weren't looking to vote for the Trump endorsed candidate. So if the goal is to get, sir, that's your, I know that's, that's, that's your, that's your analysis. Not everybody agrees with it. There are some very smart people who think the opposite. Um, We don't know and we will not know, but I do know this. She is um, suddenly in second place. She is uh, within striking distance. And if she were to win, it would be an utter catastrophe. And I want to emphasize this. She has no business being in the U.S. Senate. None. She is not capable. She is not ready. I don't know anybody who runs in 2020 for the House, loses by 20 points, and turns around and says, I'm going to take that failure and take it statewide. The only person I know who did something like that, quite frankly, is Barack Obama who loses bad when he ran for Congress in 2000, turns around, takes that loss, and runs for the United States Senate. The former community activist, right? What the hell was he, an organizer, neighborhood organizer, community organizer? What in the hell? He had no job, just like Kathy. So, Juan, I'm sorry. Politics is a contact sport. This ain't beanbag, I'm told. And we're going to have a full and free and fair discussion. I happened to notice that when Donald Trump was going for uh, the presidency and I said everybody that he could win, I said it on day one, June 16th of 2015. You can look it up. Sure. You remember how hard he was on Lion Ted and little Marco and low energy Jeb. I mean, were you going to call up uh, him and say, you know, you really need to tone it down on these uh, Republicans? Come on, Juan. You wouldn't have done that, right? No, but it's a little, you know, I think that if the goal is to get Dr. Oz elected and then you want Dave McCormick and her to split the vote. But the other thing is also, if I could comment, you know, I think that Donald Trump should allow Ted Cruz and Mike Pompeo and Mike Huckabee to endorse Dave McCormick. And, you know, Dave McCormick is not a rhino. He shouldn't, Hold on a second. Hold on. I, I'm not interested in Dave McCormick. Those guys already did. At least I know Pompeo did. And the thing I really can't stand about Pompeo is, well, he was party to a bigoted attack on other Republicans. I'm also very, quite frankly, suspicious of any guy in their 60s who loses 100 pounds of weight. That's a lot of weight to drop. 
How the hell did he do that? I don't know, Juan. But anyway, thanks for the call. Um, I know what you mean about, you know, what we want in the end, and uh, but I can't do that. I'm not going to hold back. This is how I feel, all right? Uh, and I'm just going to let it rip. And you don't know either. I guess we'll know when the exit polls come out, all right? Call me back. Alfred is in Yonkers. What's up? Hey, Greg. Thank you for taking my call again. Um, thank you for keeping it real. Um, I don't like that Kathy Barnett, and I'm 100% in the bag for Dr. Oz. But um, I had a similar situation to that gentleman, Lou, that your previous caller. I, I also had quadruple bypass back in 2008. You sound like you had it yesterday, quite frankly, Alfred. <laughs> I'm only well, kidding. Come on. What's up? No, I, I feel great. I mean, when, once I had it, I felt great again. But, you know, I just want to let you know that. And um, I think Kathy Barnett has been thrown in that into the race just to deflect from Dr. Ross. Well, she was running for a long time. She's been in the race for 15, 13 months. I don't know how these people do it. She's not a rich woman to go around campaigning for 13 months. I keep going back to her. Uh, I mean, listen to this. I mean, right here, I think this is this is disqualifying. I do. Where the hell, even even little questions about where she grew up, I'll get to that in a second. But again, adjunct professor. And by the way, being an adjunct professor, I mean, you and I can be an adjunct professor probably by the time we go home tonight. All right. It's not a hard thing to do. And I don't even think she was one of those. Cut 44, please. Where were you an adjunct professor and when? Uh, in um, Justin University. And where's that, Kathy? That is in uh, Illinois. Okay. And and when when were you there? I don't remember the time. Okay. Okay. They let her be a guest speaker, I believe, for the 4-H club at uh, Jughead University or whatever school it was. And she goes around calling herself a, you know, I once went to Baruch College and I gave a, 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 a lecture of some kind. I, I could, with from Kathy Barnett, probably call myself an adjunct professor at Baruch College, wherever that is, by the way. What time? When, when was it? I don't. I don't quite remember. It's 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 not believable, is it, Alfred? No, absolutely not. It's not. And um, I think I think it's just this is just anti-Trumpism, and you know, it's just yeah, I know. It's well, wait, anti-Trumpism. No, there's a lot of pro-Trumpism. There are a lot of people out there who have been conned. They've been conned by by this uh, this con woman. That's what I believe. All right. Thank you, pal. I am going to uh, – let me see what else we got here. Hillary did this. Hillary did that. Oh, i got to read you these, these statements from the New Jersey – is it the New Jersey Board of Education? This is crazy. I thought that this would be, you know, Berkeley, California or something like that. This is official – uh, guidance from the state. Listen to this. A school district shall accept a student's asserted gender. There is no affirmative duty for any school district personnel to notify a student's parent or guardian of the student's gender identity or expression. Go to hell, New Jersey State Education Authorities. What in the hell are you thinking? And why the hell is it New Jersey up in arms about this crap? This is New Jersey. The tri-state area, that includes New Jersey. There may be instances, this is again from the guidance, where a parent or guardian of a minor disagrees with a student regarding the name and pronoun to be used at the school and in the student's education records. 
staff should continue to refer to the student in accordance with the student's chosen name and pronoun at the school. Hey, whatever happened to the parent-teacher conference? Huh? I used to finger paint the wrong way we would have a parent-teacher conference. I identify as a girl. They're not going to want to see my parents when I'm in the second grade. What did I do? What was the worst thing that I did? I remember for some reason I took the pencil sharpener and I threw it out the window. I did. I ripped it off the little thing. You know how it's screwed in? I ripped it off and I threw it out the window. They called the parents. They called my parents. They called the the super. It was like the, the school psychologist was there. It was a big freaking deal. The pencil sharpener. So what? Remember that thing? Oh, and here's another problem I had. I transferred from one school to another. And guess what you had to do? You had to raise your hand to get your pencil sharpened. I was like, what? I used to just get up and do it myself. I had problems over there, Paul. It's something I don't want to talk about right now. So um, I would think, though, much more important than the pencil sharpener is whether or not I thought I had a penis or not. Don't you? If I started walking around saying, I don't have a penis, I'm a girl, don't you think my parents should have been called? Under this, under New Jersey, under who's the governor over there anyway, Murphy? Oh, yeah, Mr. Uh, You're All White Supremacist Murphy. What a scoundrel that guy turned out to be, huh? Guy desperate to do anything, anything, say anything, do anything. And you know what? I don't even believe he won. I don't believe he got the votes to win. There's something really screwy about that election and screwy about New Jersey in general. For years, for decades. How many people have been indicted, gone up the river over there? What's going on? Provide transgender students with the same opportunities to participate in physical education as other students in accordance with their gender identity. I want to know not only who's behind this and pushing it, but who's getting their jollies from this. There's somebody out there, somebody, some deviant pulling the strings who likes this stuff. Who likes the idea of talking to children about genitals and gender and sexuality? I'm saying, yeah, they get off on it. They get some perverse thrill by talking to children about these things. If you're not a blood relative and or legal guardian of a kid, you have no business talking about these topics to any kid. It's disgusting. And you know what? I'm not a, uh, <laughs> I'm not an uptight guy. Believe me. All right. I've been around. I've done a lot of things. I've seen a lot of stuff. I'm not holier than thou. I have screwed up in spectacular ways. I have been addicted. I have recovered. I have done, uh, you know what? Very little judgment from me. Anybody can get saved, but for crying out loud. It's in black and white, and they're coming for our kids. I used to think this stuff was, quite frankly, you know, hey, Bill O'Reilly's coming up in a little bit. Bill O'Reilly, who changed the world, the most successful cable news host in the history of cable, the most successful nonfiction author in the history of books. He changed the world. Now, one little thing, and maybe I'll I never thought, although I will say this now, I guess Bill was just ahead of his time. Because when he talked about the war on Christmas and stuff like that, I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I can I I got it just fine. I can I can celebrate Christmas. No one's raining on my parade. He was just ahead of his time. 
Look at where we are now. They are going to cancel the Bible. That was all prepping the battlefield. And they're close. They're close to getting their way. Oh, boy. Hey, Jen Psaki is calling it quits, finally. I see the media are, what do they do? They baked her a cake? You know, I think it's against the law to negotiate a deal for yourself when you are a federal employee, a big fat contract somewhere after you leave. Yeah, actually, I know it is. But this is the Biden administration. The law doesn't really concern them. All right. Hey, as I mentioned, Bill O'Reilly and some other cool stuff coming up. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, it's uh, I'm back. <laughs> you guys should check out my Twitter. Everybody's talking about it. At Greg Kelly USA. At Greg Kelly USA, where I announce proudly, I am an adjunct professor. But like... Uh, like, uh, what the hell's her name again? Kathy Barnett. I do not know exactly where or when. Oh, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Jughead University, which is somewhere in, I think, Illinois, and I don't exactly remember when. At Greg Kelly USA, check it out. One more time, Kathy. Uh, Rich Rizzoli asked her about her. Uh, I just, I just, I, I, I love this. Uh, cut 44, please. Where were you an adjunct professor and when? Uh, in um, Justin University. And where's that, Kathy? That is in uh, Illinois. Okay. And and when when were you there? I don't remember the time. Okay. I don't remember the time. Hey, uh, what about your hometown? Where'd you grow up, Kathy Barnett? Cut forty three. What's the name of your hometown? I grew up in what was called Nichburg. It is now called Repton. And that's Alabama. in Alabama. I looked it up. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Mitchburg. How many places change their names? I mean, what? I I grew up in Garden City, which is now called Garden City. All right. Actually, when I was in when I was born, born, I would grow up in Baldwin, and I moved from Baldwin to Garden City when I was in second grade. Both towns are still the same. What in the hell is she talking about? And then there's something that I went to. It was the very first thing I did in the military. Day one. What did I do? I showed up at Officer Candidate School. But for her, it was the other way around. This was like the ultimate experience, getting accepted at Officer Candidate School, or as she calls it, Officer Candidacy School, which doesn't exist. You tell me, what the hell is this all about? Cut 42. Kathy, did you go to Officer Candidate School? There's questions around that. I was accepted. I always say I was accepted. I went through the rigorous paperwork and vetting and interviews to be accepted into Officer Candidacy School, and I have always said I did not finish it uh, because I got married. I was my, this really cute guy asked me to marry him. I did not finish it. So it sounds like she attended it. The rigorous paperwork, did you catch that? I think she went to the Pete Buttigieg School of uh, Military Resume Padding. There's something wrong with this woman, Maria, in Rockland County. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Hi. As I was listening to your conversations and you're speaking about her, she could very well be a plant. Someone inserted into this election just to upset the the Republican voting. I, I've so heard that, of crazier things. I wouldn't rule it out, Maria. I really wouldn't. Because I... You know, I, I'm not a Republican. I used to be a Democrat for 55 years, and I changed. I'm now 
basically a conservative. But, I mean, just listening to those um, recordings of what she says, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't pan out. It doesn't sound right. Yeah. And she could very well be. Where, where the, I, I think you said something about, you know, where's the money coming from to finance her? Well, it could be coming from the Democrats or from Soros or who knows. Who knows is right. She could just, she could just be put into this election to make sure that Oz doesn't get in. Well, I don't think it's going to work out because I think Oz is going to uh, triumph. I do. I think in America, accomplishment and excellence still count for a lot. Even though Barack Obama showed us, yes, there is a shortcut. There is a shortcut to fame and fortune. Identity politics. Oh, speaking of which, identity politics. You want to hear uh, Kathy Barnett play the race card? All right, so here's the deal. She's got those, you know, the lawn signs that you see politicians' names on? Hers is a little different. She has a picture of herself on the lawn sign. You know, Barnett, you put it on a Trump sign. We've all seen these things. Listen to her. Listen to her say what the folks should do with these signs. It's fascinating. Cut 40. Get my yard sign. Get my palm card. If you're really hesitant about speaking, get the palm card, pounce on your neighbor, and just hand them the card. And if they say, no, I don't want it, shame them. Really? You don't want to support the first black person? Are you a racist? Say it to them. That's what they say to you. Why do you think I put my little black face on my yard sign? Because you think we're going to be, I don't know. I don't know why you would put your little black face on the yard sign. Apparently it's very unusual to do so. Nobody else does. I think you're trying to make this all about your race to distract from your lack of accomplishment your lack of integrity, your lack. All right, Maria, that's all I got to say about that. Final word to you. That's not the way the Republicans or the conservatives speak. That's the way the Democrats speak. You're damn right about that. And you know who I liked? Actually, you impressed me a lot during the debate. Carla Sands. Now, she's running, I think, in third place. But Carla Sands, former ambassador to uh, Denmark or someplace like that under Trump, Listen to her, and this is very difficult, quite frankly, in this day and age where every they've made everybody afraid of being called a Karen if you happen to be white and you happen to have a disagreement with a person of color. Listen to this, and good for Carla Sands for not backing down. Cut 58. Kathy Barnett, she says that she, you know, she she's this, all this, but as a matter of fact, she used the same playbook two years ago and lost in a red wave year by 20 points to a weak Democrat. John Fetterman is not a weak Democrat. He's a strong Democrat, and I will beat John Fetterman in November. She was very tough on Kathy Barnett, where most of the political, the smart money in political uh, circles says, don't ever take on the black woman. If you are a not a person of color, because the optics don't look good. Screw optics. This is about substance. This is about character content, not the color of our skin. Anyway, Maria, I think you're on the right track. I appreciate it. There's the music. Bill O'Reilly will be with us in just a little bit. His new book is already a New York Times number one bestseller. Uh, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, the legendary Bill O'Reilly Moments away. I'll be right back. 
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is, uh, Bill, if you can hear me, uh, we're looking for you. All right, so (laughs) give us a call. We have an appointment. I know you didn't forget. I think our, uh, well, let's face it. We don't have a busy signal, right? I know he knows the number. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, who knows? Uh, hey, President Trump could be calling them. They're very tight. And um, Donald Trump gets advice from Bill, and Bill gets advice from Trump. Anyway, they're very good. They went on the road together, remember, <clears throat> and it was it was good for both of them. I wish I saw one of those. Oh, and he's actually on the phone. The new book is Killing the Killers. Uh, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists uh, by Bill O'Reilly, the number one cable television news host of all time, the number one best-selling author of all time as well in the nonfiction section. Bill O'Reilly, welcome. How are you? You got a free book, Kelly, at the party at WABC had on Tuesday night, right? I got four th- free books, actually. Four. For <laughs> so, well, wow. uh, family and friends, you know. Uh, thank you, Bill. And uh, yeah, it- that's all right. It's not going to help me on the New York Times bestseller list, but we did debut at number one, so we're real happy about that. And people say to me, oh, "You don't like the New York Times, so why do you care?" Because that, as everybody knows, in the book business is the most widely distributed bestseller list. So you want to be up there for marketing purposes. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, is there, like, do they play games with these lists? I mean, to me, it would be kind of cut and dried what books are selling the most. They can they can fool around with that stuff, right? Yeah, it's not hard to do that. I mean, I'm not going to make any accusations now, but um, somehow in the count of killing the killers for first week, 50,000 copies that were sold have disappeared. No one has a record of them. So we're we're investigating now to see why they disappeared. But we sold 112,000 copies of Killing the Killers the first week out. And they're only registering 60,000, which is more than anybody else anyway. But where's the other 50,000? We'd like to know. Hey, uh... You know, I know about, we know about Bin Laden and uh, al-Baghdadi. Uh, a lot of terrorists are killed in this book. Which is your favorite? What do you think the viewers are going to be most, uh, the readers are going to be most surprised by? Al-Baghdadi. Al-Baghdadi raped and ultimately ordered the murder of 26-year-old Kayla Muller, a humanitarian worker from Arizona who went to Turkey to deal with the refugees there and was a very, very nice young woman. She made a huge mistake she tried to go to a doctor's without border facilities in Syria. They, ISIS stopped her car, kidnapped her, and Al-Baghdadi himself abused her. And not only that, he sent emails to Kayla's parents in Phoenix, and they cooperated with me on this book, taunting them, uh, demanding 
collecting $20 million ransom, that kind of thing. And we got access to those. So it's a horrible story about Kayla Muller. I had to tell it to show what true evil really is. But then when U.S. Special Forces go in and get him, you'll be applauding. That's awesome. And by the way, the Bush, I'm sorry, the Trump administration, I kind of, I seem to remember the Mullers going to the convention, speaking at it. They received, I believe, a heck of a lot more support from Trump than from Team Obama. Not to make a political thing out of this, but I just, facts are facts, right? They did feel supported by Trump. Yeah, in the beginning, Barack Obama was befuddled about terrorism. There's no question about it. He was the one that withdrew all the troops from Iraq, the U.S. troops, including the Marines over there, were doing a fabulous job. I know you're a former Marine. Um, and then ISIS moved in and did their evil deeds, killed thousands of people. That embarrassed Obama. And he changed his attitude in his last two years about hunting down and killing these terrorists. But at the same time, there's a law that says the United States government or any citizen cannot pay ransom to terror organizations. Now, you can get around that law by going to Denmark or something like that, but the kicker on the story is even if you pay the millions, there's no guarantee you're going to get your loved one back. I mean, you're dealing with savages here, and words mean nothing. So it is a complicated process. The the Mullers did not want to scorch Barack Obama. And he did eventually meet with them. But Trump was much more simplistic about terror. Trump was basically find them and kill them. That was Trump's order. No nuance. And uh, the U.S. Special Forces and CIA and NSA did and and wiped out a lot of them. And including ISIS. I mean, I think it's fair to say ISIS was a huge issue Basically, up until maybe seven or eight months into Trump's administration, I mean, ISIS was all over the place, and then they were gone. You never heard of him about about him again, and no one gave Trump any credit. He did loosen the rules of engagement, and he really did unleash the military over there, didn't he? Yes, absolutely. There's no question. Trump, one of his main campaign promises was he would destroy ISIS. He did. But interestingly enough, he doesn't mention it very much, Greg. Um, in the four shows I did with him, we about it somewhat, but he isn't putting that forefront. I think he should. I told him that. I said, look, this is a tremendous accomplishment because now ISIS is back in western Iraq. They're trying to reconstitute there. And, of course, al-Qaeda is back in Afghanistan. Why are they back? One reason, they want to kill infidels, and the American citizen is at the top of the infidel list. But in killing the killers, we don't do politics at all. We, we We just sweep you through um the track down and the assassination of these evil people but there's no question that the trump administration was much more vehement in getting the terrorists than bush or obama and we we stopped the book the last part of the book is the unbelievable fiasco in afghanistan engineered by president biden and uh, side story of why the 18 U.S. service people were killed at Kabul airport. And it's insane what happened there. But we got the inside story, and that's what closes the killing the killers. Hey, by the way, when we do kill a killer, when we get a big terrorist, it's kind of amazing. It's one of the few processes in government that is basically airtight. You don't hear about these things ahead of time. People you keep their mouths shut. After, unless the president wants to announce it.
So today, there could be a firefight in Africa between U.S. ground forces, special forces who are over there, and Boko Haram ISIS. And you would never know, even if American servicemen were killed. And we, we put you in one of these firefights in Mali where there were some U.S. servicemen killed. But no one knows because there's no reporting. And as soon as the firefight happens, it's slapped with a classified label. And we were lucky enough, I convinced a number of national security advisors um, in all three administrations to talk to me and tell me what they saw and what they know, which they did, all of them. Nobody turned me down. And that's the body of killing the killers. It's all information nobody's ever seen before. We love it. We love. Hey, let me. You talk to the president. Uh, I'm sure President Trump. And I just read not all of it, but parts of it. Mark Esper's book, the former Secretary of Defense. Nobody knows who he is. He was barely there, and of course, he comes out all against Trump. I have a lot of problems with this guy Esper. I don't like him. I don't like what he's saying. He's wrong about a lot of stuff. How do we get President Trump if he gets back in there? And I think he do- will. I hope he does to get better about picking people. I think he waits to the last minute and he asks the swamp for their recommendations and we get the same old people or we get people with absolutely no loyalty. And um, he's got to fix that. He's That's something I love the guy. I love his style. I love his politics, but he's got to get better at that. Well, he's got to have better advisors because he's a businessman. He doesn't know the inner Washington workings. But Esper, nobody's buying his book, number one. And number two, he's so disingenuous because I know this for a fact. He says that Trump said, oh, I want to drop bombs on uh, the cartels in Mexico. Remember that? That was yeah. a big 60 Minutes thing. And Nora O'Donnell's sitting there, doesn't know anything. With all due respect to Nora, I like her as a person, but come on. So here's what had. Do you have time for me to tell the story? Sure. Okay. So uh, about uh, three years ago, maybe a little bit more, I'm having a private conversation with President Trump. And I'm sure he wouldn't mind me relating it. And he's talking about the drug cartels in Mexico. And I said to him, there's only one way you're going to stop that. And he paused. He goes, how's that? I said, if you designate them terror groups, like the Sinaloa cartel is a terror group, you can drone them. You can use the hellfire on them. You can send in special forces because that's the law in the United States. You, federal government designates a terror group. We can attack them at will. All right? So he loved that idea. So he goes to Obrador, the president of Mexico, and again, I know this is fact, and he says, I'm going to designate all these cartels as terror groups. I want you to join me, and we'll wipe them out. And Obrador says, oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that because it would make Obrador look weak. So then Trump negotiates a deal with Obrador that he would put the Mexican army on the southern and northern borders and stop the migration, which is exactly what happened. And in addition, Trump got a much better tariff deal on trade. So he didn't designate the cartels, but he got that in return. That's what Esper, what he told Esper. But Esper did not tell the truth to the American people. He's trying to portray Trump as some loon running around going, I'm going to bomb Mexico. You, I mean, it's unbelievable. And, I, and Kelly, I've never told that story before. But that is absolutely in stone what happened. 
No, it makes total sense. I believe you. I do not believe Mark Esper. Don't like him. Uh, very, very disappointed. And uh, he's got to do better, Trump, next time in picking people. Hey, final thing. You know, we got the big race there in Pennsylvania. The primary is Tuesday. I know you used to work in Scranton. I think that was your first TV job, right? Yeah. I didn't know Joe Biden, though. I know he was born there, but I I missed him. Hey, you know where he lived for a little while, by the way? He lived in Garden City on Long Island. No kidding. It's in his own book. Yeah, you he know, was in the city? Uh, Garden City. Garden City. And oh, he, Garden City, Long Island. Right, which wow. is a very beautiful town. And, you know, this whole uh, hard luck Joe and the down on his luck all the time and the old man, it's all a, it's all a, a joke. It's all a fantasy. <laughs> right. But what's your, what's your sense of what's going to happen uh, in the Senate race? I don't know. I don't follow the state by states except for New York State. It was interesting to see Mark Penn come out and say that Hochul might lose um, here. But I just don't know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. I like the state. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is an important state, but I just don't know. All right. Well, listen, everybody should get Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, uh, number one on the New York Times bestseller list. All of these books are fascinating reads, of course. Bill O'Reilly, thanks so much for being with us. All right, Greg. Thanks for having me in. You bet, pal. Hey, uh, good stuff, huh? Imagine that. The number one selling book author of all time, nonfiction. I mean, Shakespeare, I know he wrote fiction, but he didn't sell as many books as Bill O'Reilly. Isn't that kind of wild? It's, uh, all right. Hey, we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, give me a moment. How was I with uh, Bill? I thought I was pretty good, right? Yeah. It's, it's like it's like peer to peer. You Absolutely. know what I mean? It's just like, you know, we're bros. Uh I do admire him. I consider him a mentor and a friend. I've learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from him before I even knew him just watching him and studying him. So we're very very grateful. Once again, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. Hey, why don't you annoy the New York Times? <laughs> First of all, it's a hell of a book, but uh, they can't stand making him number one week after week after week. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Can you hear that? Sorry. Hey, Frosted Flakes. We have a cylinder full of not only Frosted Flakes, Lucky Charms, Raisin Bran, Checks, rice checks, corn checks, I mean, you name it, trail mix. But usually on Friday, I have some cornflakes. And on Fridays, we take an abnormally large number of phone calls um, because um, I like it that way. Oh, I know where I got that idea. Um, Rush Limbaugh. And you know what? Bill O'Reilly, come to think of it. He did uh, emails on Fridays. So, Frank, it's your turn on Long Island. Hi. Hey, Greg. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of the radio show and Newsmax. And uh, I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, the young lady running for senator in Pennsylvania. You know, I'm a military veteran myself, and I can tell you the day I went in, the day I got out, what my armed forces specialty code was. I mean, there's things you don't forget. And, you know, either there's nothing there or it's something you, I guess, would be a little maybe ashamed of. I, I don't know. I mean, I could tell you my Air Force specialty code and what I did. Yeah, uh, there's something really fishy here. Here's Kathy Barnett. I'll play it again. She's on the Rich Zioli show. And, you know, hey, what's going on with your military service? And she I mean, she says, you know, the year she went in and the year she left, 10 years. What happened in between? <laughs> She's not talking about it. Cut 41. So my military record. I went in in 1990. I came out in 2000. I have honorable discharges. 
I spent 10 years in, I usually say the military, but under that umbrella would be between the Army Reserve and the National Guard. Um, that's that. That's that. I went in. That that would be like me talking about my military career. I went in in 1991, and I left in 2000. I called it the Marines. That's that. What the hell does that tell anybody? That's not explaining her life in any meaningful way. Isn't she supposed to be kind of wowing us, telling us about herself? I went in, and I went out, almost like it was jail. Yeah, Frank, it's fishy. Hey, what did you do in the, what would you say, the Air Force? Yeah, I spent four years in the Air Force, uh, 76 to 80. What'd you do? And then I, I was a uh, 3265OC, avionics, aerospace, ground equipment technician. Gosh, you see uh, how specialized it is? And where'd you work? What base? Oh, I, I was trained in Lowry Air Force Base. I spent a year and a half in South Korea and a year and a half at Shore Air Force Base. Did you like it? South Carolina. Did you like it? Uh I didn't dislike it. I think it was one of the better things I've done in my life. But, uh, you know, I had enough, and it was time to move on. Yeah, no, that's how I kind of felt myself. All right, Frank, no, your your concerns about what's-her-name there, Kathy, are very, very well-founded. I don't think it's going to – this 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 thing is a phase. She's – this is a – no, she's going to run out of steam. People are going to be – People are understandably suspicious. All right, let me do uh, Joe here in Flushing, Queens. Hi, Joe. Hi, Greg. Yes, sir. Hello? Yes, hi. Yeah. You're on the air. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Bill O'Reilly, uh, and I've read a lot of his books, but I'm, I'm going to read his Killing the Killers after I finish your dad's book. And your, your dad... I'm, you know, when you read like the history of what he wrote, I'm, I'm a little younger than he is, but he was instrumental of saving this city from a lot of terrorist attacks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think he got enough credit for doing all of what he did. Who, my dad? Yeah, yeah. You know, number, thank you. I don't think he was really looking for the credit, but I actually, you know what? He has the admi- admiration and appreciation, seriously, of Joe, Joe, of people like you. He gets approached all the time, and people say thank you. People remember. You know, he was police commissioner for 12 years. That's a long time. Without making a mistake, without a gaffe, without a screw-up, without having to come out and apologize for anything, by doing a very hard job every single day, and everybody saw him do it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, what was what was with his education and and the the different things he's done, he was able to bring the right people together after 2001 with Bloomberg, and make sure that it didn't happen again. You know, Brooklyn Bridge. No, they did some amazing and, things. I, amazing things. You know what? Amazing, hey, Joe. Amazing stuff. Joe, did you ever read my dad's book? It's called Vigilance: uh, My Life in the NYPD. Did you ever read that book? I'm I'm just. Reading his latest one now, the the last one he's written. Yeah. Um, All right, Joe. I tell you what, we're gonna do. I'm gonna do this. Uh, I'm gonna do this. What's that guy's name? Hannity style. He likes to send out those Ruth's Chris steaks. I'm gonna send you a copy of my dad's book. How's that? All right. Would you guys do me a favor and get his information? Thank you, Joe. I got a book on its way to you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hmm. Hmm. 
Everybody here agrees with me. Somehow I'm I'm looking to fight. I feel like I feel like I'm itching for a fight. I don't know. Uh anybody want to argue with me? Everybody here wants to agree. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm sure I can find something that I don't like about Ed. What's the deal, Ed? You're in North Babylon? What's wrong with what's wrong with regular Babylon? What's going on? I'm only kidding. Hi. It's north of Babylon, it's the forgotten Babylon. <laughs> yeah. Like my dad in the Fifth Army Air Corps in the Pacific, he said we were the forgotten fifth. We had to make our own and put our planes back together. But uh, two things, Greg. I met Dr. Roz in the 90s at a uh, nuclear cardiology conference, approached him afterwards about a friend uh, in a business, uh, and he had had three heart attacks. He was waiting for a heart transplant. Dr. Roz gave me his card. He said, you have him call me. I will not charge him. He goes, we can wrap a piece of latissimus adorsi around his heart muscle, left ventricle, and put a pacemaker on. I do not want to see anybody on a heart pump. The second thing, Greg, yeah, what a great guy. I could get through to him, you know, before he became uh, the famous. And there was a firewall up. Uh, Bill O'Reilly's book, I just finished this morning. Hit the epilogue. I couldn't put it down. Really? Amazing. A page turner there. Hey, wait a second. You told that story so quick. You like Dr. Oz, right? He did a good job? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, pal. Thank you so much. Oh, there's the music. Hey, the weekend is almost here. Oh, and I got a Marine friend of mine about to call in with some very interesting information. I shall return momentarily. Greg Kelly. Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, hey, what do you say there? Kathy Barnett, guess where she is? This is, uh, she's on MSNBC. Oh yeah, MSNBC. The queen of the fake news. Oh, and there she is on, on, on CNN. Oh, they are pushing her. Oh, they are pushing her right now on MSNBC and CNN. At the same time, they're doing big specials on Kathy Barnett. How about that? Ha ha ha. Wow. I love it at the same exact time. Oh, busted. Yep, here we go. This is what they want. That's why they're pushing her. This is the Republicans' dream. And um, I don't want it to happen. I'm sorry, the Democrats' dream. <laughs> Look, if Kathy gets this nomination, she loses to Fetterman. Um, it's it's The problem is, again, I think this is a country where hard work counts for something. We're accomplishment. We're a life of excellence. I don't think you just roll out of bed some morning and say, I'm going to be a member of Congress and then lose that race by 20 points. And then the next day, roll out of bed and say, now I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate. What do you have to offer the people? What do you have to offer the people? Now, you can look it up. I looked it up. Donald Trump in 1982 was in a pit at the corner of 56th Street. And Fifth Avenue, a pit, a big hole in the ground, and he's wearing a hard hat. That guy built Trump Tower. Now, what did Joe Biden ever build? What did Sarah, what the hell's her name, Kathy Barnett ever build? How about Barack Obama? Words, words. All they do is throw around words. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's all anybody's doing. Snapchat. Instagram, Netflix, weed. Very few workers out there. If you're a worker, if you get up early and hit it and go for it every single day, 
Man, oh, man, you're going to beat 90 percent, 95 percent of the people out there these days. Used to be 90 percent. Now it's 95 percent. You work your ass off. You give an honest day's work. You will beat them all. 95 percent. The last 5 percent, that's going to be a rat race. That's going to be tough. But so many people are checked out and we have negative, negative example after negative example. Barack Obama did not have to lead a life of uh, excellence and accomplishment. No, he just came from thin air and boom, boom, boom. He's president of the United States for all that stuff that we've been talking about. All that crazy stuff. Hold on. Hold on a second. Do we have my friend on the phone? We do. Retired Marine Corps gunnery sergeant uh, Jesse Jane. Uh, wait, whoa, oh, 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 gosh. Hold on a second. I got another call on the line here. Oh, oh, everything's fine. Oh, I thought my wife was in trouble. Everything's good. Retired Marine Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Double Dog. It's so good to speak to you again. You know, it's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was at the Christmas party uh, for Newsmax. No, you were terrific. Uh, the Trump 2020 campaign co-chair, Veterans for Trump, Ambassador, America First Policy Institute. Uh, right now, I do want to, and you're a great political analyst as well, what do you make of uh, this Kathy Barnett and her, this bizarre non-record of a military record? So he, I, I honestly really didn't plan on getting engaged in the race. I, I really was like, look, this is a firestorm going on in Pennsylvania, and I think it's very important for people to be aware of it. I have really, really admired your uh, analysis of many of these issues. So here's where I come into this picture. She made a flagrant attack against a friend of mine who I actually worked hard for to get to uh, run for Congress and ran on the Senate race, Sean Parnell. Mm. She lambasted him and accused him of beating his wife on the radio. Now, this was a left talking point when he had a custody hearing that became quite contentious and he had to withdraw from the race for the good of his children and she ran with this left-wing talking point it was an unsubstantiated allegation and i at that point lost all respect for her i thought this is unnecessary sean parnell is simply asking you about a record of your service this is simple this is elementary this is something that's not a difficult question. It shouldn't put you in defensive posture. It shouldn't even put you in offensive posture. You answer the question and you move on. You don't do a flagrant attack, let alone with somebody who is very popular with some of the very people that are supporting your race. So I stepped in, and now I'm just completely disgusted because her campaign has failed to really address this issue. She has come out yesterday and said that she has a DD-214 to justify the three years of service that are not present on, what is it, NGB-22E, the National Guard paperwork, that only shows seven years and some change of service, four of those being active National Guard, and I think three were reserve. It doesn't add up to the years unless she's trying to justify the inactive reserve which she had a form to also that showed that she was released from the inactive reserve in 2000 that doesn't add up i'm retired from the united states corps i claim 20 years of active duty service i don't claim my inactive reserve service because that was a meaningless time we weren't held accountable to weight standards physical fitness nothing so I'm just disgusted that she's made this very difficult on herself. Let's put it this way. If she is authentic, then why not just get this behind her, come out with the paperwork, stop.
Stop the meaningless attacks. Don't do something so stupid because that's what it is. And the longer you postpone it, you now are going to present yourself under great scrutiny. And you're pissing people like me off. Okay, wow. Yes, I, you know, the Sean Parnell thing. My goodness gracious, you're right. She made a horrible, horrible comment. Now, Sean Parnell is a war hero. He was uh, so grievously wounded in Afghanistan. I believe he was a captain in the Army at yes. the time. Uh, yes. He went on to become a very successful author. He writes fantastic yes. novels. He wrote, He ran a very competitive race. He almost beat Connor Lamb. A lot of us think yes. he actually won that race, but there were all kinds of shenanigans. Whereas, what's her name? Uh, Barnett lost by 20. I mean, lost by 20 points when it was something of a red wave at a certain level. And... Um, Yes, Parnell cannot be a senator now. I mean, he can't run. He he withdrew. I uh, I really like the guy. I think he's got a big future, but this yeah. is not his year in that regard. He did not deserve that. And you're right. She was he was being very cordial. And these are these are necessary questions. And what a little smart mouth on her. Uh that's That uh, was to me disgusting and that is not the type of answer I expect under fire by anybody who's trying to run for Senate. We haven't seen Oz behave that way, and we haven't even say, I dare to say, McCormick behave that way. You know, the attacks that they're making against each other have pretty much been relatively legitimate, so to speak, questioning each other's records and their histories and past. But you making an allegation of abusing your wife, that is just like the same. Now it leads me down the path of, you now are somebody who exploits an opportunity. Now I saw your dialogue last night that was very on point about her campaign signs. You and I wouldn't have thought twice about it that her photo was on the campaign signs. In fact, it was very smart for the very reasons that she said the quiet part out loud. You are representing the first, maybe maybe first to our knowledge, uh, Republican black female to run for Senate in the state of Pennsylvania, and that is something to be proud of but now to manipulate your audience to guilt trip people into carrying that flag what are you racist now she's playing by the left wing playbook now i'm angry because i had communicated with kathy prior to this whole thing i supported her in a in a very lackluster way just like hey i'm i'm glad to see you running i was not a fan of mccormick and my reasons are not that McCormick doesn't have a lofty resume of service to the country, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very concerned about his wife, Dinah Powell, and she worked in the NFC. She was anti-Trump. Oh, she yeah. made life difficult. She was somebody that was, in my opinion, very shady. Her associations to Uma Abedin and others, to me, are questionable, and I find that whole era something that I'd love to see behind us. I don't know. So hold on. I want to I I make sure everybody knows who you're talking about. This Dave McCormick guy who, uh, quite frankly, I'm no fan of. He's running for yeah. Senate. He's married, uh, I think, only for about two years now to uh, Dina Powell, who has been around Republican politics for about 15 years. You know, she's like this semi-attractive girl who makes fe- uh, men feel good by flattering them all the time. And they think she's amazing because she wears nice clothes. And uh, she's given a lot. They gave her a big job at uh, Goldman Sachs. And now uh, she's running around 
said to be threatening people, like, if you don't support my husband, uh, we won't do business with you. It's going to be bad for you. Just kind of really yeah. over-the-top stuff. Nobody likes Dina Powell. But her and ties she- are bad. She was under General. Uh, she was under uh, McMaster. She was supporting the McMaster agenda that did not benefit President Trump. Uh, McMaster was a sleazeball on many levels. Hey, 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 Jesse, hold on a second. I do have to say this. Uh, and you have influence with uh, President Trump. I mean, he's got to get better at picking people in term two. I mean, this is, this is, one second. I mean, like he has, he relies on the swamp and he gets swamp picks and then he's surprised. Uh, he's got to find people who are loyal and who have expertise. And quite frankly, he should be doing that now. I know he didn't want to do it until after he was elected in 2016. He didn't want to jinx anything. That's over with. He's got to start thinking about these things now. And I expect that that's what exactly what he's doing. That's why he's lining up all the cars now with all of these uh, uh, races. So here's where I, I'm on the same page with you about Oz, though. I'm kind of sick of everybody digging up a photo of him with Oprah Winfrey. Excuse me, all of us were watching Oprah Winfrey. I was a fan of Oprah Winfrey. Give me a break. When you're in the entertainment industry, you are in a swamp of lefties, and you go along to get along. You're not there to promote the Second Amendment. Yeah. You're very cautious about your abortion views, only for a, for a multitude of reasons of the industry. That, the exact same reasons that President Trump said many of the things he said, and maybe they both believed him at the time. But when right. you start going into influencing policy, you are now going to be a national uh, leader. You come to Jesus, so to speak, on your views on, okay, do I really want to have a stand that's pro-abortion? Right. And President Trump understood what that meant at the end of life. And having views from 20 years ago, even 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, aren't even the same to what we know today with ultrasounds and the concept Well, yeah, and people change their minds. And, and even President Trump, who became the most pro-life president uh, in the history of America, at one point was pro-choice. Here he is, actually, in 1999. And this doesn't mean he's a flip-flopper. This means that, like a lot of us, we grow, we evolve, we learn, we contemplate, we change, and that's a good thing. Here he is, though, saying he's pro-choice uh, to Tim Russert back in 1999. Cut 47, please. Partial birth abortion, the eliminating of, of abortion in the third trimester, big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm, I'm very pro-choice. Very pro-choice, and that... From the man who became the most pro-life president in the history of the world, Roe v. Wade, of course, would not be uh, on the verge of being overturned if it wasn't for him. Hey, Jesse Jane Tuff, do me a favor real quick. What was your job in the Marine Corps? I was a tractor-trailer operator. I hauled for the infantry and wing units. Nothing glamorous. I got dirty, and I was probably kind of smelly on many of the days that I had to haul their gear out to the field and the shock on their face when I would pull up half the time was quite humorous. But I drove commercial rigs, and then I became a motor transport operations chief. So I was really uh, your typical field type of Marine and, and base operations, nothing glamorous. And I'm just proud of that service because, to, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't even have a driver's license when I joined the Marine Corps. So. Wow. <laughs> so there was. You know, I progressed into something for me that was a big deal, even though it wasn't fancy. Uh, back to Dinah Powell, though. She, her, she is of Arab descent. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I have to, no, I, I could care less about that. I really, you know, it doesn't well, matter. Her ties. Excuse her me, ties excuse me. No, let, let's, let's, I, I don't know anything about her ties to Egypt today, 
were anywhere else. I mean, there are a million things to not like about Dina Powell. Uh, the last one is that she was born in Egypt. I don't care. We got half the guys here were born in other countries. That doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that's where you're going. I just want to make sure that, look, I can't stand her. You can look at my Twitter feed. I love to, I, 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 I but I wonder though, I, I don't think most people in Pennsylvania know about her or do you think she's become a conspicuous uh, lightning rod? And that's, that's where my concern is. It's not, it, I agree with you. It doesn't matter where anybody is born. And I probably should rephrase that. It's the ties that she has with some of these very lefty people, such as Uma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's operative. She also is close to Valerie Jarrett. She's close to a lot of these people that just are not appropriate for somebody who's claiming the title of Republican or America first. Yeah. That's where I'm going with I that. I think she wants and to go I to, to be clear about that. I understand. She wants to go to parties first. She wants to go to all the right parties. That's what she strikes me as. So, hey, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff, political analyst, uh, Trump 2020 campaign co-chair of Veterans for Trump, ambassador for the American First Policy Institute. Thank you very much. You can follow her on social media. And actually, I got it right in front of me, but I can't read it. Oh, it's a uh, uh, shoot. Is it Jesse Jane Duff at Jesse Jane Duff, right? Yeah, at Jesse Jane Duff. Pretty easy. Jesse with an I for girls. So I got an I in there. Okay, we love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Greg. You have a great day, Colonel, and, and Semper Fi, and take the hill. Semper Fi, indeed. You're the best. Thank you so much. Hey, how about that? A, tra- a tractor and coming out to the field? That is a hard, hard job. Actually, when I was in Baghdad, we lost eight soldiers. By the time we got to Baghdad, when we got to Baghdad, we lost eight soldiers. They were all drivers of the tractor trailers. They were. Um, it was quite quite an experience. We... Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the, the trucks in the aftermath. Oh, what a mistake that was. All right, do me a favor. It's almost the weekend. i got to take a quick break. I will return, and there are some of you who want to debate me. You're picking on the wrong Marine. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Just six minutes to the weekend. Uh. What the hell? Bob is calling from the Bronx. Hey, Bob. Turn off your radio, Bob. Ay, ay, ay. Bob. Sorry, Bob. We'll talk to Bob. Can you name the movie? Eh, we're going to talk to Bob. You don't know? None of you dumbasses knows. Uh, What the hell movie was it? The Blues Brothers. Thank you. Uh... uh. Bill. Bill is in Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette where? Lafayette, New Jersey, about eight miles north of Sparta. All right. And? And about a week and a half ago, you said that the music of the Beach Boys was done. And they are the greatest band in the world. you got to listen to the album Sunflower. Nah. Just try it. I'm not going to be doing that. Just try it. I mean, nah. you know, it's lighthearted music. No. Listen, can I can I give? I don't a think I down? said that a week and a half ago. By the way, um, you said the music was done. That's what caught I mean. My I eye. probably, I do feel that way. It's basically over. Yeah. yeah. Unless you, it's not just uh, catch a wave, uh, you know, and you're sitting on top of the world. Nobody That's talks it. about these guys anymore. It's over. Why don't you listen to it? Come on, give I, it no, a shot. No, I, no. What am I going to do? Listen to my record player? I don't have one. <laughs> pull it up on YouTube. I'm not going to do that. Hey, listen, can I give a quick shout-out to my... Uh, to, to the my... Beach Boys? You already did. 
No, no, no. To my two people that are getting better from uh, COVID, my sister Barbara and Craig, and uh, hello to Father Robert up in Newton, New Jersey. Oh, Good people. Any, thank you. I, I love the show, Craig. I talk about you all the time. I tell a lot of people to tune in. Tune in where the truth is. You will not get it off your television. It's radio. And people say, oh, who listens to radio? I said, listen to Greg Kelly and keep it tuned on 770 WABC, and you will find listen to the truth 24-7. All right. Hey, I like it. I like it. In the end, this was a very pleasant interaction. Thank you, Bill. And uh, there is that one song I like by the Beach Boys. What's the one where the theraphone is playing the... The Good Vibration song. The Good Vibration song. I do like that song. And I saw a movie about it, uh, about the Beach Boys, and the way they put that song together was pretty wild. Um, You know that, like, what do they call that thing? A theraphone? A theraflu? Uh, Chris? No, wait, shoot. Uh, mm, Chris is in Monroe. Hi. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, uh... First of all, well, I was wondering what the hell are you doing in Scranton? I used to live there. It's the armpit of the world. But aside from that, I got a quick, quick little math thing for you. I'm going to quote Joe Biden. He said he was in the bottom two thirds of his class in law school, and he decided he didn't like it. And he decided he liked it, and he ended up in the top half of his class. Yeah, I know. He was lying his ass off. Well, let's put it this way: if he was in the bottom two thirds, that would make him. Anywhere from number, let's say there's 100 people in the Oh, class. my God, you're right. He said, I finished. You're right. He was playing all kinds of weird games with that. Yeah. I mean, from 34 on down would be in the bottom two-thirds. And from 51 on up would have been in the top half. So he might have end up, ended up lower than he was before. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is he was actually like, he was like 87 in a class in 94. He was very close to the bottom. He was, he was in the bottom 5%. He was low. So all those games, but you're right about that. He's like, what the, who makes that kind of comparison? I was in the bottom two thirds. Then I went to the upper half. You're right about that, Chris. Good point. Good catch. I got to watch that again. Do I have it here? Cause like I, I run it all the time on the, on the other show when he gets caught lying. Do I have that? Do I have that where he says all those lies? I think I do. Hold on. Shoot. Oh man. All right. I'll look for it. Thank you, Chris. That's, uh, you're right. The bottom half, the lower half. Do we have that? Do me a favor. Check from yesterday's B block. Um, yeah, no, I don't. That was the day before. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, let's see here. Steve is in New Jersey. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, yes. I'd like to talk to you about, uh, as a graduate of officer, candidate school, not officer candidacy school, Right. you don't have time to get married. <laughs> Once you enter the portals, uh, I went to Benning's Home for Boys, an infantry officer, OCS, but any OCS, you are in barracks for not, not, not quite 90 days. The last weekend, they will let you out to go to the beer hall on base. You don't leave base until you graduate. So, and I know my class, it was 15-73. And believe me, you go to OCS, you remember everything. 
Well, I blocked a lot of it out myself. <laughs> it was a horrible, traumatic experience. Let's face it. I uh, oh boy, but you're right, pal. You are. You're right. This is not. Uh, this is not work. Oh oh, there's the music. Oh, it does feel delicious though. It's Friday. Ooh, I usually don't work for the weekend, but man, oh man, oh man, am I ready? Yesterday felt like uh, Friday. Here we are again. All right, so have a great weekend. I'll be back in a little bit. Rudy's coming back. Rudy, the mayor. Mayor Giuliani. World's greatest mayor in history. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I work with him. I love it. Thank you, God. Seriously. I'll see you Monday or tonight on the Newsmax Show. All the best. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.